Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody, and how's it going? I'm Alex Goldstick, and you are listening to the Spring Forward Podcast. If you're returning to the pod after our run in Season 1, welcome back to Season 2. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. We're just over a week away from the start of the third Spring League and first of 2019, which will see the league return to the same site as last year in Austin, Texas. This year, however, will be the first that the Spring League has an official professional football league partner. Though scouts from the NFL, CFL, and AAF have been in attendance at Spring Leagues of the past, the new XFL that will begin play in eight cities in 2020 will be an official Spring League partner, meaning that all of their scouts and coaches are expected to be on the ground in Austin, and some of their coaches will even join the Spring League staff for the Spring League 2019 to get an up-close look at evaluating talent and testing gameplay and rule changes that the XFL will be implementing in their own league. Because of this huge partnership and opportunity for both the Spring League and the XFL, it would only be right to kick off Season 2 of Spring Forward with an XFL guest. That being said, today's guest is Doug Whaley, the Senior Vice President of Football Operations for the XFL. You might recognize his name as the former GM of the Buffalo Bills. Before diving too much into his story in this intro, let's get to the interview. Doug Whaley is the Senior Vice President of Football Operations for the XFL, which will return in 2020. He finished his career as a player after graduating from the University of Pittsburgh and proceeded to amass over 20 years of combined front office experience in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Buffalo Bills, where he was GM from 2013 to 2017. Earlier this year, he assumed his new position in the XFL, which formed a partnership with the Spring League for the upcoming Austin camp. Doug, welcome on to Spring Forward. Alex, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of the podcast. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, you're from you're from the Pittsburgh area, and you stayed nearby to play your college ball at Pitt as a D-back. Uh, tell us about your career as a player and your early love for the game of football. Well, I'll start with my early love of the game of football. I had a brother that was five years older than me, and he played football. And as anybody that has an older brother, you always try to emulate your older brother. So uh, I just started the uh, Falling in love with the game there. My dad was my coach, and as they say, the rest is history. It's something that I still haven't been able to get out of my blood to this day. So, uh, football has afforded me a, a lot of memories, especially in college, where um, I started for three years. I uh, didn't redshirt, so uh, as a freshman, played. I uh, had, a, like I said, a lot of memories from playing at the University of Oklahoma, playing at Notre Dame Stadium rivalries against Penn State and, and West Virginia. So it's, uh, it's something that is formulated the back 
backbone of uh, who I am as a person and as a professional. Uh, I learned a lot from just playing football. So after school, you took a job as the East Coast Regional Scout for the Seahawks, uh, which lasted for two years. It's never easy to put your playing career behind you, but what was the decision to move on to a different aspect of the game like, and was that a hard one for you? It was. Uh, everybody has dreams, but uh, you also have to uh, live in reality. And uh, after my college career was, was over, um, when you don't have an opportunity and no one calls you, <laughs> it's a good time to say, you know what, time to move on. So uh, I didn't get an offer to even try out or, 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 or come to an NFL camp. So I'm a realist. That's in the writings on my wall, on the wall. So it's time to go on to the next phase of my life. Um, so before I started with the Seahawks, I did uh, do a year in uh, New York as a retail stockbroker. And then after that, I did a year as an intern with the Pittsburgh Steelers in their player personnel department, their 95-96 season when they went to the Super Bowl against the Cowboys in Tempe. So that uh, started my career in the personnel business. And uh, like you said, after that, I went to Seattle. I was there for 96 and 99. And then uh, came back to Pittsburgh and worked as the director of uh, pro personnel from 99 to 2010. And then uh, moved from there on to Buffalo. So, I mean, you, you just m- mentioned the Steelers. Uh, you had two stints with the Steelers then b- before Buffalo. Um, the Steelers obviously have been in the news a ton this month, um, but you were there during maybe some happier times, including two Super Bowl victories uh, while you were part of the front office. I guess, first off, did you grow up a Steelers fan? I mean, what's it like to work in the front office of your hometown team? Well, I moved around, but I moved to Pittsburgh when I was in uh, going into ninth grade, so uh, they were my adopted uh, home team, and I, I called them my home team that I follow, one, uh, being from Pittsburgh, but two, also working there and having a lot of friends that's still in the organization. That's a, it's, a, it's, it's, as they say, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you have so much invested on it, not only from work-wise, but personal-wise. But uh, the curse is um, that there's a lot of pressure, and everybody that you know is turning to you and saying, what's the deal? What's going on? What are we going to have? What are we going to do? I'll give you a quick story. Uh, we had just won the Super Bowl against the Cardinals when uh, Antonio Holmes made that great catch uh, to win the game. So I call one of my best friends, and we're, we're flying back that Monday. And I call him and say, hey, how's it going? Did you enjoy the game? He goes, yeah. He goes, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, we're flying back Monday. We have the parade Tuesday, and then we'll start our free agent meeting Wednesday. And now let me remind you, I grew up, we were high school football captains together, and I was in this guy's wedding. He calls, and on that same conversation, he tells me, you guys don't need to go to the parade. You're already a month behind all these other teams thinking about free agency. You need to come home and get to work. So what I realized is, even if my best friend that I'm in his wedding thinks we're slacking after winning his home team Super Bowl, that people are always going to be putting pressure on you to do better than you did the year before when you're working for your home team. Well, and everybody's an expert, right? I mean, today with the rise of fantasy sports, everyone thinks they can do a GM's job, but you're actually the one in the, in the seat with the keys, and uh, uh, that, that must be a, a special feeling. Well, yeah, it's uh, as I say, everybody thinks they can coach, but everybody knows they can scout. Like you said, especially with the advent of uh, fantasy football and uh, just – all the, the media out there that has actually kind of turned to 
the prolification of the scouting business. It's, uh, it's good for our business, but it, like you said, it, it uh, has a lot of people thinking they're experts. So in 2010, you made the move to the Bills in Buffalo, um, where you were at first the assistant general manager, and in 2013, you were promoted to be the team's new GM. What's that moment like when you're given the reins to an NFL team after spending over a decade uh, in NFL front offices? Well, as a competitive person, you're always looking for a new challenge. And uh, that's, in our business, the ultimate challenge. So it's exciting. The one thing that you can't do, though, is really focus on the magnitude of the job because it can get overwhelming. you got to focus on just doing the job. Uh, so you can, like I said, so you can not lose sight and lose focus. So it's um, it's one of those things where, I hate to say it, you just take it really day by day. Now, your fingerprints are still visible on the current Bills team, um, most notably LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, who you traded for in 2015, uh, and head coach Sean McDermott, who you hired in 2017. So what is something that you think the general football fan doesn't realize about uh, your duties as a GM? The one thing that uh, surprised me the most is to get to the GM position, Especially from a personnel side, what I did was scout. And I, like I said, from a scouting intern all the way up to the pro personnel director. And even as an assistant GM, I was a class director of player personnel. So I said I did a lot of on-the-road scouting. Once you get into that position as a GM, scouting is the least amount of, of work you'll do. Uh, it's probably composed of maybe 10 to 15% of my job. And the rest of it was the managing part, uh, you know, that general manager, I really learned what that managing part was about. And when, when looking back, what are you most proud uh, of your time spent in Buffalo? I think uh, when, when we were in Buffalo, um, obviously we were probably, I mean, if you look at our overall record, we were around uh, a little under 500. So we didn't make that step. But uh, I feel confident that the majority of the time, anybody that played Buffalo, knew they were going to be in for a fight. They knew we had some talented players, and uh, it was they had to bring their A game to us, uh, and we'd be a competitive foe. Uh, I'm proud of that. So like we said earlier, you now bring over 20 years of professional football front office experience to the XFL, uh, where you were hired as the Senior Vice President of Football Operations by Commissioner Oliver Luck. From the 30,000-foot view, tell me about your decision to join the XFL. I think it's plain and simple. Uh, Two things. With Vince McMahon heading up and Oliver Luck, that uh, management team, uh, you can just look at their resume. That's, I, I have to subscribe to be on part of that, that team. And second, uh, nowhere in the lexicon of my thinking that I ever thought I would have a chance to be a part of uh, creating a new sports league. And that's, uh, that's again, as a competitive person, uh, I always look for challenges. I look for things to make me a little uncomfortable and let me grow. And this, uh, I think, uh, as a football person and as a personnel person, this is the ultimate challenge to help put a, put your stamp on a football league and uh, bring it to market and have, hopefully have it flourish. And that's our plan. Now, at the end of January, the XFL and the Spring League announced a partnership between the two football organizations to, quote, test changes to rules and gameplay. Um, many of the league's head coaches are expected to be in attendance at the Spring League in Austin, not to mention XFL scouts and other coaches who will be a part of the Spring League coaching staff. How did this partnership come about, 
And um, can you tell us about some of the areas of gameplay that the XFL is looking to change that you'll be testing at the Spring League? When we started doing um, our background on how we're going to have our game look to the public, we uh, we thought, okay, it's good to have it in, in on paper and an ideal form, but how can we test it out? And uh, we did a lot of research, and uh, we were aware of uh, the Spring League and, and how they had done a very good job of developing players the past two years. So we thought uh, that might be a good place to partner, that the Spring League would be a great place to partner um, with for twofolds. One, to help us get a live view of anything we're trying to do to enhance the product that we're, we're going to bring to market, and then also uh, have a chance to look at some players that we may be uh, recruiting to be in our league. So it's a, it's a double positive for us. Some of the things we're looking to do is um, reduce the, the, the play clock. We're looking at maybe a 30 to 35 second play clock to get more action and more plays. Uh, a couple things we're going to do for player health and safety, um, looking at um, the five-yard halo rule on a punt return. So it uh, will decrease the high-velocity impact and collision for player safety. We're going to uh, look at uh, different overtime formats. Um, we're also going to look at uh, some kickoff uh, rule changes. So there's a lot of things that we, we want to test out. And, again, um, we want to see how they uh, look to the, to the public when you have a, a full 11-on-11 participating in the drills. So we're excited, uh, again, uh, to partner with Ryan Woods in the Spring League, uh, like I said, for two-folds, for the player uh, part of it and acquisition part, and then to see – how we think this thing's going to look once we put it on in the field. So you mentioned also coming to Austin to scout players. Um, to date, the XFL hasn't announced any player signings. Uh, QBs are rumored to be the first position that will be recruited and announced. Um, but in the initial press release of the Spring League XFL partnership, uh, Brian Woods, the Spring League C- CEO, expressed enthusiasm at a new pro football organization uh, coming to the Spring League to provide opportunities for his players. Uh is there a certain type of player you're looking for in the XFL? Are you just looking for, uh, you know, for football guys, or does the XFL game lend itself to a certain type of player? No, I think we're, we're, you always want to go for the best players available. You don't want to box yourself in to say we're looking at this type of player, that type of player, and then you then you limit yourself. And uh, we think that this game, and I always tell people, if you go to any uh, sporting event especially a football game, you pull 100 people in the stand, they're all coming there to watch the players on the field. So it's all about the players. So the better players you can get, the more talented players you can get, the better game you will have. So um, we're just looking for the best out there and the guys that want to come and compete and and be a part of uh, something that can turn out to be special and historic. Now, the XFL will feature eight teams in its first season. Those teams are located in Dallas, Houston, L.A., New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington, D.C. Uh, half of those franchises have named head coach slash GMs. That include the likes of Bob Stoops, Jim Zorn, Mark Trestman, and Pep Hamilton, all of whom have incredible football credentials. Um, but the XFL model features a single person to serve as coach and GM for each of your franchises. So was this a decision made to solve for a problem you see in the connection between 
pro front offices and coaching staffs or, or some other reason that we might not be thinking of? We looked at it as uh, since we're having a single entity owner, we thought each team should have a single entity person at the top on the football operations side. Uh, we looked at the college model, and we thought that would be the most efficient and best way to uh, set it up in the XFL. Uh, so for the football off side, the head coach is going to be the one making all the final decisions. But he, as any organization, uh, he's going to have – Plenty of people around him to help him make those decisions, uh, but uh, the buck finally stops with him. And again, I think we just thought that was the most efficient way uh, to get this league off the ground, and especially it falls in line with how the league is uh, structured it, uh, from top to bottom with a single entity owner. Now, some of those main names I just mentioned are huge in the football world. So, do you think that that's a more attractive proposition to a coach making a return to the pro ranks to also flex their muscles, maybe? Uh, as a GM and putting together pro personnel? I wouldn't say flex the muscles. I think it would be something that added uh, benefit to their repertoire uh, of uh, on their on their resume. Um, I think it's a resume builder. It's something that uh, a guy like Bob Stoops is used to because he was basically the GM of the University of Oklahoma. But Pep Hamilton, Jim Zorn, and Tresman, those guys worked with GMs, so they've been a part of it, and they know exactly how that job description unfolds and what is uh, required of it. So I think it's just to add a benefit uh, to those coaches to uh, help them grow as professionals. Now the XFL is making a return, but for all intents and purposes, it's it's basically a new league. Um, and it's making its debut one year after another league, the AAF, began play. How do you see the landscape of pro football evolving and shifting with the existence now of the NFL, the CFL, the AAF, and the XFL uh, not to mention the Spring League, which has, or will in the XFL's case, provide players opportunities uh, in all of the aforementioned leagues. Well, I think you said it right there. It provides opportunity for people to continue their lifelong dream of playing football. And it provides opportunity for fans that love and have an insatiable appetite to watch football. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. When you were a GM, did you think or notice that there was sort of a, a lack of um, of player development to get to the NFL that now these leagues can uh, provide? Or are you looking at yourself as a, a separate entity, um, maybe in competition with the NFL? I think we look at it this way. Well, no question there's, there's a lot of good football players that either need development or are in that in-between where they're really good college football football players and they're just scratching the surface of their potential to be pros so they need somewhere to hone their skills so I think um, these extra these other leagues are going to be a betterment for the total game of football and with the game of football as long as we have these uh, people that have like I said the insatiable appetite for viewing I think it's a good thing for everybody and from my GM role I always thought that uh with the decreased amount of time that these college coaches have with these students, the, the development is being impeded a little bit. So if we had an avenue or a venue to help these guys get more time under their belt to, to learn their craft, it would just be a benefit, again, for everybody involved. And finally, I mean, these, these new leagues that, that come back, football is – first and foremost at the top of everybody's list, but there needs to be those off-field uh, features that attract fans to the league. 
So can you tell us about some some of the things the XFL is doing differently off the field um, to launch the league next year? Well, there's going to be a lot of things we do with our broadcast partners that uh, we're in the beginning stages to bring the fans more intimately involved in maybe play calling and knowing what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and then our content that we're going to start creating, I think it's going to be parallel to what the WWE does with their branding and their content of their their talent. So uh, we have great resources across the street uh, with WWE that we can rely on to help us just, like you said, engage the fans, make it more compelling. And uh, in this day and age, content is king. And I think we have a great um, plan to generate content that makes us appealing to not only the football fan, but uh, the casual fan that may have an interest in the XFL. Well, if the, the WWE are, are, if content is king, the WWE are kings of content. So um, we can't wait to see what comes out of the XFL, the partnership between the XFL and the Spring League. And, uh, you know, we thank you so much for your time. We're excited, and we'll see you in Austin in a couple weeks. All right, that'll do it for Season 2, Episode 1. Thank you to Doug Whaley for taking a few minutes away from launching a brand new football league and talking to me. I, for one, am very excited about the Spring League XFL partnership and the additional opportunities that elite-level football players will get to achieve their dreams as professionals. You can follow the Spring League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Spring League. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alex Goldstick. All music was provided to the Spring Forward podcast by Joshua Rosner. We'll be back with one more episode next week before heading to the Spring League in Austin. Later.